Hello, and welcome to The Worst Person in the Room. I'm your host, Teresa Francesca, and this episode is part two of the Stephen Chronicles, a.k.a. The Worst Stephen in the Room, a.k.a. Stephen's All the Way Down, whatever I choose to call this episode. I'm recording this intro from a hotel room while I drink grape-flavored Pedialyte because I've been hella dehydrated, and I found out when I googled how do you help rehydrate yourself more quickly, Pedialyte was one of the options, and I hadn't had that for a while, or or ever, actually, so I thought I'd try it, and, and apparently it comes in a grape flavor, and you know what? I'm a sucker for grape. Also, did you know that Pedialyte is actually used as, like, a cure... Uh, or or helpfulness or whatever for diarrhea. This is not what I'm using it for, but it's good to know. Uh, <laughs> it says to use under medical supervision, which I am definitely not using. Um, so check with the doctor. Today has been a nutso day for me. It almost ended like the third to last nutball thing that happened to me was that I that I saw a seagull carry a crab out of the ocean and then just eat it alive, stab it with its own beak and eat it as I saw its legs still moving. This was from quite a while away, too. I don't have that good of vision, but it was intense. (laughs) Sorry or you're welcome for the lack of, like, real intro. Um, But yeah, this is more of my talk with Steven and he says that's what you do a thousand times and i wish that i had asked why why god why (laughs) every time he says that phrase (laughs) but anyway let's get into it what are some realizations or epiphanies you've had about yourself or your your nature um The fact that I actually have depth. Surprise! Um, well, how'd you how how how'd that happen? <laughs> um, mostly through talking to you. Perfectly Ooh, honest. I get I mean, points. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, you 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 seem to assume that I had like these deep hidden depths, and it turns out that I did. And it's like, huh, that's kind of cool and very strange you didn't just like leave the room when i was like prodding you to give me more information and (laughs) well yeah i mean you know my my at my very basic level obedience has been kind of trained into me like you know when someone asks you a question you think about it and you answer that's what you do that's just how civilized polite society works you know it, it wasn't until years later that I realized that there was an option to not answer questions. Yeah, a lot of people seem to take that option when I'm talking to them. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for thanks for being obedient. <laughs> I, I don't like I don't like how that sounds. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, socially, I, I, I think I'm socially obedient or, you know, at hmm. least I try to be. You know, um, it also go, it also goes back to when I was a teenager and I met my my friends. Like, oh, yeah. was, my parents loved me, but 
I was pretty much, I was pretty one dimensional. Like I was basically just, you know, the happy, bright eyed little boy. And that's just, you know, that was me. And, you know, I liked what they liked and I did what they did. And that was, that was pretty much that, you know, I, I loved oldies music because mom loved oldies music. I loved fishing because dad loved fishing. And, you know, I did karate because my parents told me I did karate. And that was, that was what you do. And Your parents told you you do karate? What if you didn't actually do karate? What if it was badly the whole time? Whoa. But they just told you it was karate. This is what karate is, Stephen. Dude. <laughs> what if you're super graceful? <laughs> Okay, you're, you're not super ungraceful, but there's there are some things too unbelievable to contemplate. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, then I was a teenager and I met my circle of friends, and they all assumed that I had my own likes and dislikes and things. That, yeah, that you were just a weird carbon carbon copy of your parents smushed together. Yeah, and that was kind of the first time I considered that I might not be. And so I'm like, oh, well, all right, I guess I need to invent a new person that I can be. And so I did. Wait, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't just like, you had to invent who you were. You couldn't just like come out of your little Stephen shell skin. Yeah, because... And inside the fuller the... version, you had to invent something? What? Yeah, because I, I genuinely and truly believed that it was Stevens all the way down. Like, I believed that my shell was re the same thing, just repeated however far down you go. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, clearly I'm not the, you know, I'm not the kind of person who can, you know, have calm conversations with girls. I'm not the kind of person who can you know, watch anime or, you know, go to people's houses and be social. That's not who I am. So I guess I need to be someone who can do those things. Okay. You didn't eat. Well, oh, I need more explanations. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I didn't think that I, as I was, could do that. So I decided to pretend that I was somebody else. Somebody that was more interesting. Somebody that was more fun. And and that person was more fun. And that person was more interesting. And but was that person, like, discreetly separate from who you were being before? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I, th I think it, I, it's the terminology you're using sometimes that it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't made, I haven't really made a study of this, so I'm probably not using the right terms. But I mean, it's like, fine. No, like, I, I didn't think, I didn't think of myself as two separate people. Like, okay. I just kind of figured that they were like different aspects of my personality. Like, this one has a personality. That's an aspect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's who I was, and I liked being that person. Um, eventually, I had to learn how to not be that person with my friends. Well, it went became too limiting, and you know, it uh, there are some frictions, but overall, it turned out it turned out for the best. It turned out better. You know, I could actually, you know, at at some at some point, you know, backing up a little bit, at some point, this person that I would that I. Like, I started off pretending to be somebody else, 
and very quickly realized that I could just be this person mm -hmm. and it was awesome. But as time went on, it felt too limiting. So I eventually had to just discard it and be like, nope, I'm, this is, this is who I am. Well, what, what was limiting about it? I felt like I couldn't really talk about anything negative or be or say anything oh, okay. negative. Everything had to be all sweetness and light and sunshine and Pollyanna. Okay. And I was like, no, sometimes there's hard things to talk about. So but, it's kind of like, so you made, you had like little, uh, uh, only child Steven, we'll call him, mm -hmm. made of your parents. Um, yep. And then we have uh, high school friend, Stephen. Orion. Orion, yes. All right. Mm -hmm. Somehow I forgot that that was the name. I'll um, remind you. <laughs> I've got names um, for them all. Yeah. So, and then, and then like eventually you had to kind of like crack out of that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then could you, did you feel like you were actually like just kind of being you at the time? I think, yeah, I think so. Um, although, honestly, like, at that point, since Orion represented all that was happy and positive and sweetness, mm -hmm. um, Stephen represented everything that was not. So I was like, well, I'm me. Yay. Everything is, t I can express how terrible everything is. Um, so I very quickly realized that just because I could express deep dark emotions didn't mean i had to because you know i didn't really enjoy wallowing in it i mean expressing doesn't mean wallowing yeah for for me it's i have a tendency to like you know do one or the other do you think you've gotten better with that over the years of your life <laughs> oh yeah definitely i mean i can like i think when i was in my 20s there were about like two or three times that i got angry really genuinely angry there are times where i got annoyed but like genuine anger like only happened once or twice and that's not really healthy you know to avoid anger to that extent so you know i think now i've gotten more able to you know express things i'm not more angry now but i feel i feel yeah. more in touch with my feelings and with more who i am and more able to express them How'd you, how'd you get to that point? I think just gradually working on it and gradually learning to deal and process with things um, over the past 10 or so years. <laughs> what was, um, what are uh, parts of those processes? Mm -hmm. Like, what's it like to, to do that or to start doing that or to be in the middle of doing that? The long, slow process. I mean, I can remember the end really clearly. The end was basically, you know, Allison encouraged me and would listen to anything I said. And, you know, I felt really easy talking with her about anything. So, you know, I could very easily open up and be who I was. But before then, like, I, was, I always, I felt like I was always pushing and always trying to, like, get to the bottom of it, get to the root cause of it and figure out what was going on. Um, like, I, I was kind of a mess in my 20s. I think many people were or are. I mean, I, I think if that's lucky. Yeah. I think that's the purpose of your twenties is to be a mess. So, I mean, for me, it certainly was. So, like, I, I kind of was like, all right, 
I don't want to repeat the same mistakes that I've made before. I want to make new ones. So, you know, I figured if I can dig down in there and, you know, figure out what's down there, maybe I can understand myself a little bit better. This was met, this had some successes and some failures. Mm-hmm. Can you tell yeah. us about some, some of your successes or some of your failures? All that? right. Well, um, let's see. One failure was my brilliant decision to date someone who hated video games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that was a bit of a... I was like, you know, I'm an evolved guy. You know, we can have separate interests. It'll be okay, but... I mean, you can, but... <laughs> yeah, but she genuinely, truly hated them. Like, yeah. so, you know, that did not work out well. Um, let's see, successes. Um... I guess the success would be um, just rec- like being able to pick myself up. Like um, I was fired from my job in 2014, I think. I think so. Mm. I, yeah, probably around there. <laughs> and it was the first and so far, fingers crossed, only time I've been fired. And I feel like if it had happened earlier in my life, I would have been just completely devastated. But as it was, I feel like I built up enough confidence and enough, you know, searching of myself to be able to look at myself and say, you know what? No, I didn't deserve that. I was doing a good job or at least a fairly okay job. I didn't deserve to get fired. They're just crazy. And I feel like, I feel like that allowed me to kind of remain sane, quote unquote, and and which was a very good thing because two weeks later I had an interview for another job that I did really well on and ended up being hugely important and successful for me. And I feel like if I had not been as as good about myself and my, my confidence and my life and everything as I was, I wouldn't have been in a good position to jump on that. So was that a success or a failure? A success. Success okay. of, yeah, <laughs> success of looking into myself. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever discovered something about yourself that scared you or alarmed you? Um, I don't think so. Something that scared me about it. Um, hmm. I don't think so. Wow. Um, I mean, you discover some like hidden capacity for something you would have rather not have. <laughs> and I discovered a hidden capacity for being an accountant. That was yeah. kind of off, but that was awesome. It's like, yeah, that's great. I can make a career out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I got one. I got one. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I lack the capacity to cry. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure why or how, but I haven't really been able to have a real good cry since I was a teenager. Like, I, I tear up at weddings and things like that, like happy cries, but, like, I can't really sad cry. And I kind of think maybe I should be able to. Well, why is that? Because that's a emotionally healthy response and way to deal with sadness and you know i figure sooner or later something 
you know, sadness will happen and, you know, I want to be able to deal with it, but. I mean, crying's not the only way to deal with sadness. Yeah, but Um. the last time something (laughs) super sad happened, it was when my dad passed away. And rather than crying, I ended up throwing up every day for a year. It I mean, was cr- yeah, I guess crying would be like a lot more easy on like your esophagus. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, it would. What have you uh, learned about yourself through your relationships with other people? Um, that Any, I am like, a per- discreet nuggets of info. <laughs> uh, I've learned that I'm a person. <laughs> I mean, Surprise! Yeah, um, I've learned that like. I think I've learned to like recognize qualities of myself in other people or, you know, lack of qualities of other people in myself or something like that. Um, like when talking to people, you know, they'll say something, share something about themselves and I'll be like, Oh, I, I have the same thing or I don't have that thing or something. And so I kind of like think of myself in terms of what I've seen or heard from other people in some ways. Is there um, an example you can give? You don't have to like name names of anybody, but I forgot the question. Oh, of <laughs> Well, examples of like times when like someone said something and like then it brings up this recognition and like, "Oh, I have that too." And you hadn't really given it much thought before. Um practically every conversation we've ever had. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you remember any of them? Um, Cuz you're free to talk about any conversation with me. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. Um let's see. I just I feel like, you know, I feel like just talking with you like brings out stuff that I'm like, "Oh, that's what that is." You know, like um like the crying thing or, you know, like reali- realizing that, you know, happy like, you know, how I am like ashamed of my happiness, basically. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I did a, I did a whole lot of this when I was in my early twenties and now, you know, I, I feel like I kind of assembled myself mm-hmm. at that back then. And now it's <laughs> been, you know, several years since then. So yeah. you can't you know, remember how the puzzle pieces all got together. Yeah. It's like, well, this, this is who I am. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, in general, I learned it through people, but you know, like I can't, I can't really point to one specific thing and identify it. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I got like my, my Pollyanna attitude of like, everything is great. Everything's happy. comes from my mom for sure. Like she's, that's, that's how she is. She's, she's very positive about everything, which is nice. Why do you think that you um, took after that instead of kind of like going the opposite direction? Going, the, you mean like? Being the opposite direction of Pollyanna would be gloom and doom. I, I hate that. I don't want, I don't, because I didn't want to, I guess. Okay. Yes, it's like, yeah, I, you know. I've, I've always identified myself very strongly as like a child of my parents. Like I, whenever I see a quality in my parents that I seem to also possess, I'm like, oh yeah, that that's me, obviously. I have, like, zero problem with that. I mean, I'm really confused by that because I feel like for both me and my brother, and then, you know, I I look at me and my brother and our weird um, social difficulties, although I feel like he's he's much, he's 
he seems to have much more like social success and general happiness when he's been like away from the family unit and kind of same really (laughs) but um but yeah like me and my brother are not like the most like friendly when approached by other people and my parents will just like have conversations with strangers all the time and i'm like please can we can we go can we leave now (laughs) and i'm like i just feel like i don't like i can kind of relate to some things about my parents but i don't feel like i'm a i don't know like i don't think of myself really as a product of them and you know i thought a lot as a child i dreamed about aliens i'm like maybe they'll come take me away and take me back to my real home Hmm. um so i'm like yeah i'm honestly just kind of confused by you because you seem to be very happy with where you landed um, and sometimes I feel like a little judgmental, like to the point where you haven't, you never really had to think about it until like meeting certain specific obstacles. Um, yeah, I totally get that. I completely yeah. agree with you. Like my, I had kind of a charmed life and, you know, I didn't really have to deal with hardship until hardship was thrust upon me kind of. Yeah. I just don't understand what it's like to like, I don't know. Did you really, did you, hmm. I'm like, I can't, there's something about it that's like, I can't believe it. Um, that like someone could look at themselves as, I mean, I guess I, under, I understand it intellectually, but I don't, I don't like resonate with it. Like looking at yourself as a product, like a true, like even in personality, um, product of your parents. Well, I don't think I, I don't think either being or not being a product of your parents is inherently good or bad. I think it's just I mean, yeah, you know. it, it, it's not. I just yeah. don't understand what it's like to feel so harmonious um, as a person with them, I guess. And, and I don't mean like having a hostile relationship at all, mm-hmm. but I mean like having like um, really like large obvious personality traits in common with them i mean there's there's pluses and minuses to everything there's a lot more pluses than there are minuses in i mean this case. i don't care about the pluses or minuses i just don't know what it's like um <laughs> or were you were you describing what it's like i was, I was i'm trying um it's basically just like um well, like, you know, I, I feel like you and I share a lot of qualities. I mean, obviously, neither of us is the parent of the other. But, you know, I feel like we can look at each other and recognize qualities of ourselves in each other. So I guess it's kind of like that, only more so. It's like, you know, you, you can, you know, you, you've got friend there are friends and stuff and you can see, oh, this is, you know, this is something of me. Only for me, it's like, oh, this is something of me. Well, naturally, because this is where I get my genetic genetic code from, you know. I mean, is there anything that you um, have always differed from your either of your parents about? Um, Besides just, well. well the fact that I think that um, men and women should be equal. 
I mean, like intellectually, my parents realized that, you know, there have been years since the 1950s, but emotionally they were both very much stuck in the 1950s. You know, father knows best and he's the, you know, the man of the house and the the wife cooks and cleans and is the pretty little empty headed, you know, trophy on a shelf. And the son's just a chip off the old block. And that was their family dynamic. That was their family unit. That was our family unit. And that was great until I realized that there was another way to be. And, you know, I, I quickly realized that while I was similar to my parents in a lot of ways, I could surpass them. I could grow beyond them. I could, you know, they had, they had grown beyond their roots and I could grow beyond mine too. I could take what they had and improve upon it. I could be even better. And then my kids can be even better than me. Because that's kind of the goal in general. But, you know, I, I had a lot of examples. Like, you know, for example, I didn't learn how to wash clothes because that's women's work. Um, and then I got to college and I quickly realized that I did not, in fact, have like a beautiful, subservient little wife who could wash my clothes for me. I had a laundry room and a roll of quarters, and I had to figure out how to make the two interact. The laundry room doesn't give you, like, a subservient wife until at least your sophomore year, so. Ah. Mm-hmm. That's the secret. Yeah. So, you know, I, I learned to uh, to consider women as people, and I feel like that really helped my dating life. <laughs> hope so <laughs> i mean some would argue that i might have gone too far but i say no i'm i'm happy with where i'm at this is who i am i think women are equal and, who would you know. say that you've gone too far oh well, i guess jerks but <laughs> oh uh, my 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 job is i'm an accountant for a construction company and there's a lot of man tough manly men in there they're all they're they're not like they don't like you know beat their wives or anything but like they have a lot of unconscious biases like mm -hmm. when i told them i was going to change my name to match my wife's almost every single one of them looked at me like i grown a second head they're like what what why would you do that I'm like why would she change her name they're like but but that's what you do and i'm like why she's yeah. gonna be you know she's building a reputation yeah based on her name, you know, mm -hmm. published in papers and yeah. writing and stuff like that. Exactly. I'm an accountant for a company. Plus and your last name, like no offense to your parents. I don't know why this would be offensive, but like, it's really boring and common in the English speaking world. Yeah. So... I, had a, I had a fairly common last name and now I have a less common one. So that's cool. But even if it, you know, even if it didn't, I figure it's easy for me to change my last name because my livelihood isn't built around it. Yeah. So I might as well do that. I mean, yeah. you know, if I ever have to leave this company, I'll just write down everything on my resume and it doesn't matter what my name is, basically. Have you ever recognized something about yourself through TV or books or other media? Probably uh, many things. Um, okay. Please think of examples. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying. <laughs> 
backing you. Mr. The puzzle pieces put together, my life is all beautiful, cohesive, whole, and I can't see the cracks. I'm uh, married. <laughs> I am, and it's awesome. I'm a married accountant. Yup. I don't know this accent comes out. He's from everywhere. This might sound really dumb, but I kind of identified myself as a little more mature for my age by reading Lord of the Rings. Like I saw like the characters in the book, like all the, all the books I'd read up to that point were young adult books where, you know, at best you were talking about teenagers, whereas Lord of the Rings dealt with adults by and large. So I was like, wow, these people don't have like petty childish drama to deal with. They've got like, you know, this giant, you know, instead of petty drama, they've got a giant flaming eye that wants to take over the world. I, I found that much more relatable. At, at what age? Uh, 12. Okay. Did you ever, like, meet a character through, like, a show or a book or anything that, um, you know, like, sparked some kind of recognition in you? Like, oh, I'm like that in some specific way, too, or... Um, Willow and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, how so? She's Fuzzy, a... sl- fuzzy sweaters. <laughs> um, she, like, early Willow. Not so much later Willow. Later Willow is super cool. Early Willow was just a huge nerd and super shy. And, you know, she was a real sweet person, but just you know, definitely shy and anxious and stuff. And I'm like, hey, that that's me on TV. Someone made a TV show about me. So, yeah, I definitely, did, you know, recognize my, my awkwardness there. Did that help you? Yeah. I was like, well, it, it helped me. It helped me by, like, by seeing it. I think I was able to acknowledge it and, you know, try and deal with it and try and overcome it more. Like, okay, this is... You know, it's not just in my head. This is a thing that at least some other people have. It's like, you know, I I know Willow's not real, but theoretically someone wrote Willow. So someone had to imagine this happening. So it had to happen to somebody. Do you have any, or did you, before you were a perfect person, um, (laughs) (laughs) have any longstanding fears about, like, who you are as a human? Uh, I used to be afraid that I'd be forever alone. Why um, why did you think that? Because like it always sounds like such a joke when people say it, but then sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm like legitimately afraid and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Oh yeah, I, I definitely like after after pretty much every relationship I had that ended, I was like, well, that was it. That was that was my big chance and I blew it. <laughs> so well, why I mean why? I, I'm just like, <laughs> explain everything. <laughs> Why okay. did you think that was your, each one was your only chance? Especially when it was each one. <laughs> like, when they kept happening, though, yeah. Well, um, I asked out 27 girls in high school before oh, I got yeah. one to say yes. Mambo number five. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, I, <laughs> Mambo number five was my life. <laughs> Basically. Every time I hear that song, I think of you in high school. It's a time I didn't actually know you, but 
I heard that song on the radio like a month or two ago, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, when I finally actually got someone to agree to go out with me, I was like, oh, my gosh, all right, well, you know, beggars can't be choosers, so I better be happy with this one. Um, what? And I, like, I, ge- I genuinely... <laughs> What? Okay, okay, I'm just like rewind. <laughs> when, when when you would just ask people out, like kind of indiscriminately, and when one agreed, you were like, "Oh, this is uh, beggars can't be choosers." You were asking. <laughs> you were choosing. Did you think you were begging, or did you think you were choosing when you would ask people? Oh my god, Stephen. <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers. Someone agreed to something I suggested. (laughs) God. What? (laughs) I figured it it took me so long to find someone who was willing to be with me. Clearly, I will never find anyone else who will ever be willing to be with me. By so long, do you mean until you were like 17? Look, <laughs> at the time, that seemed like a lot bigger of a deal. I, I know, I know it does. But still, like, still you're wrong. And yeah, you should I, know I, you d- that you were wrong. Yes, I was wrong. You're right. I know that now. But I wish that I could go back to when I was half my age and be like, dude, <laughs> gonna be okay please don't ask out everyone especially if it's someone whom if they say yes i'll you'll respond beggars can't be choosers guess i'm going with her what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> this podcast is Teresa screams at Stephen. <laughs> past past or present oh my god I mean, I, I felt like it's not very attractive, but like I was super desperate at the time. I'm like, yeah, I, I really, you know, wish I could, I, I really wish that I could be with somebody, you know, to have someone that I would love. And you know, I figured that like, it, it took so long to find someone willing to just go out with me. I'm like, clearly there's only like one, maybe two people in the world who could ever love me. Because you can only find some people in one high school in Alaska? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, little by little... Actually, no. For that, I basically operated like that for years. Until I started to accept that, like, maybe... Maybe I can, you know... Maybe I can find somebody. Maybe Maybe I will actually find somebody. Maybe you can pick someone you actually want. Um... <laughs> Game changer. Uh, it's gonna haunt me forever. I'm like, how rude, how offensive to me. It's like humor. Oh my god. You know, you know what the crazy thing was? What? Besides everything that, that I said before, other than the very first girl that I asked out, Rhonda. And famous Rhonda, famous Rhonda, mm. 
and um, the the girl that I dated for two weeks um, a few years ago, mm-hmm. each of the people that actually agreed to be with me, I genuinely liked. Like, I was genuinely, like, thrilled about it. I'm like, this is freaking amazing. Like, I was willing to settle for anybody, and I got someone this awesome. This is freaking great. <laughs> I was willing to settle for anybody, but... <laughs> Jesus I was like, I'm ready to to just like spoon poop out of a bucket, but I got ice cream instead. I know, right? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, that doesn't change the fact that ice cream is awesome. It no. just says something really, really weird about me. It's yes. What? Why? Can you explain why you were I, like this and what what helped you change, dear God? <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I was like that because I like I I deeply believe that I was just kind of this unpopular nerd. Like that's who I was from pretty much the beginning of school through well i'm still a nerd so i guess you know technically i never stopped i'm an accountant i just learned to lean into it basically Hmm. but i definitely believe the unpopular part um despite even even after i became friends with like a dozen people i was like i'm still i'm an unpopular nerd this is not great um so, so yeah, like years went by um, and like little by little, I was like, I should try and, you know, I should try and have more confidence in myself. I should try to, you know, try to think that, no, I don't have to just accept, you know, whoever says yes. I should try and, you know, be, be more choosy, be more, you know, actually like have an opinion. Was there anything like... Anything in your life that like pushed you toward that? Uh, yeah, my the last relationship I had um, before Allison kind of pushed me to that. I was like, oh, yeah. well, you know, if if you're willing to uh, eat shit and you keep getting ice cream, eventually you're not going to get ice cream. Welcome to shit bucket. <laughs> yeah, and uh, after a little bit of that, I was like, well, so this is my life unless I actually like, you know, apply some standards to my life. What are those? I, I don't know. I, I, had to, I had to have a lot of long talks with my friends to figure out what they were. But eventually I came up with standards and I was like, well, you know, I, I, I feel, I feel like I kind of like got everything settled like towards the end of 2015. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm on the fast track in my career for some really good stuff, so I'll probably just do that for, like, a year or two, and then I'll get back into the dating game and, like, try and, you know, (laughs) hopefully find somebody and, you know, and if not, freaking fine. Maybe I will be forever alone. Better than, you know, being with someone you don't want to be with. And, you know, three months later, Allison, and I'm like, well... There went that plan. Yeah, they always wreck the plan. Uh, 
<laughs> like I guess it's good, but also it's like, oh, well, I was gonna do this, but okay, I guess I have... I'll fall in love. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, oh, I haven't actually asked you the titular question. Oh. Have you slash when have you felt like the worst person in a room? Well, uh, there was that time that I implied that all of my girlfriends were shit. <laughs> I mean, that that wasn't great. Um, but seriously, um, honestly, I, I feel like whenever I talk too much about myself, I kind of feel like the worst person in the room. A, because I feel like I'm very self-centered and that it's an effort for me to, you know, take notice of other people. And B, I feel like there's so much good about my life that, like, anything that I say is just, like, rubbing it in people's faces. Mm-hmm. So, like, I kind of feel like that just, you know, rec- like, on this podcast, I feel kind of bad because, like, so much of my life is so awesome, you know, I feel bad, like, crowing about how great it is. <laughs> Even though you're, like, you know, one of my oldest and closest friends, I still feel that way. Mm. Like, I'm pushing through it, but because I recognize that it's wrong. And, you know, it's, I guess that's the difference between feeling like the worst person in the room and actually being the worst person in the room. Have you ever been in a room where you think, oh, this person, whether this person is you or someone else? is actually the worst person here or that you can look back on. You probably didn't think it in the moment. <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, I mean, there's so many ways to define worst, like, you know, worst person yeah. emotionally, worst per- like, you know, I mean, mean I feel like that's a really telling thing though. Like something I haven't really directly asked, but like is definitely something I think about is like, Oh, when you say, or when you think like, Oh, when would I be the worst person in the room? What measure are you considering the most? I think for me, it would be a measure of hurting people. And for me, like for me, the easiest way that I could hurt people would be to like emotionally hurt them. Like, you know, brag about myself or put them down or something. So those are the things that I most think about or most try to avoid. Like I don't like, you know, deep down, I feel like I could probably beat up most people I know if I really had to, but I don't really think about that very much. And like, obviously beating someone up would pretty quickly make me the worst person in the room, but I don't really think about that much because it's not really something that I'm ever going to do. Whereas, you know, I'm so like talking about my happiness, like, yeah, that's totally a thing that I could and often do. So you know, I, I also like a little bit of sticks and stones or break my bones, but words are worse. Wait, <laughs> wait. So, the, so the rhyme says that words don't actually matter, but words yeah. totally matter. Like super bad. That's a terrible rhyme. Why would we? <laughs> why should we teach that to our children? That's the opposite. Well, now you know what to do. You know to debunk dumb nursery rhymes and not just like tell your future children that something's true because it sounds musical sticks and stones are pretty bad but words are even badder also bad like like you know gauge each situation (laughs) independently (laughs) to some extent sticks and stones can break my bones guns are probably worse 
There you go. I got one that will probably make your head explode. Uh, all right. All right. So in this case, room isn't so much a physical room. It's like, okay. I think the time that I've most felt like the worst person in the room was when I found out that I'd been cheated on. Okay. Why were you the worst person (laughs) in this room? God damn it, Steven. Okay. Reason number one, the first thing I felt was, wow, I, I have been such a terrible boyfriend that my girlfriend felt the need to go with someone else in order to, you know, feel good. That, that makes me a terrible boyfriend. Um, there's about six billion things. Every, there is not a sing. looking back on it now, there is not a single part of that sentence that's correct, but... Now, at the time, that's why I thought... And then I felt like the worst person in the room because I actually got angry at the guy. How dare you? After he did it a second time. Not the first time. Uh-huh. The second time. And you weren't angry at her? No. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she was a perfect angel and nothing she did could ever be wrong. Mm. Yeah. And not obviously nothing that I felt was valid either. So... Yeah, that, that like I, I felt like the worst person in the room because like it was probably one of the first times in my life that I kind of asserted myself as an individual, not not so much over other people, but like on the same level as other people. I was like, hey, I am a person as well, and maybe we should think about me as a person. Yeah, that might be helpful. Yeah. That might be, you know, based in reality. (laughs) I am, am in fact, a human person. Wow. (laughs) Game changer. Well, it kind of was for me. I'm like, wait, I, you know, I'm a human first. And like, you know, in time, I realized, wait a minute, I don't have to take that. (laughs) Yeah, so... So that was that was part of my development into realizing that, you know, not only am I a person, but I'm also just as valid as other people. And that when someone does something that hurts me, I should speak up and feel, you know, I shouldn't feel like the worst person in the room just for saying ow. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say ow, though. <laughs> it can be hard to say ow. Mm-hmm. Because you feel like by calling, or I feel like by like calling any attention to the fact that, at least in my case, like when I'm hurt, then it's automatically, then like, you know, being like announcing in any way that I am feeling pain or hurt is like automatically the equivalent of blaming someone else who did it. Whereas if I don't say ow. Then I'm like, maybe I can, you know, I can just deal with this on my own and not have to bother the other person who kind of accidentally inflicted the injury at all. And then they'll have to know. And then, you know, 
I can figure out on my own in a corner, in a dark corner somewhere, how to like continue having a functional social relationship. And, <laughs> and we never have to talk about it directly. <laughs> I'll just I'll just nurse this wound for many years. <laughs> Nothing will be a problem. <laughs> Certainly this will at some point heal. <laughs> Is there any theme in your life that you're like currently dealing with? Um Is it just happiness? I mean, the happiness is definitely a big part of it. Um let's see. I think I think another like I think my theme is just like getting used to getting used to the new everything that's you're getting used to the next step like I feel like it's like okay now I'm married now I'm a husband you know I'm getting getting used to that and learning you know what does that mean to me what does that mean for us and our relationship you know what does it mean for me to be a husband thus far it's pretty similar to what it meant to be a fiance and yeah. a boyfriend before that you know I mean, which yeah yeah that that's good i mean you know i i don't really i don't really think it's healthy to expect a marriage to change your life i hope not and ours definitely i mean it's it's nice but you know it's like yeah this is this is just us you know so I feel I haven't really had any deep revelations of what it means to be a husband yet, but I feel like, you know, I've I've got the rest of my life to figure it out and you know, I've got Allison along with me, so it's all gonna work out. I know. I asked you this before, like a year ago or something, after you after you guys got engaged and I was like, Why do you feel the need to be married? And it's been because like more and more and more and more and more people you know, over the past few years of my life have been getting engaged and, and, you know, getting married. And I'm like, um, but why though? Like, uh, why that specifically? <laughs> Which is ironic because it's like, it used to be like, um, very specifically a thing I was interested in. And then, yeah. And like, and then I landed in like a relationship that has lasted longer than any of my previous and, you know, and we live together and I'm like, oh, I don't need to do that, though. <laughs> like, I don't need to do that part. Yeah, I mean, one of the healthiest relationships I know of was between two people who were together for almost 10 years before they got married. Mm -hmm. And they they just, it wasn't a thing for them. And that's that's okay. You know, for me, for me, I've always wanted to get married. Like, I've always wanted to do that thing. Like, deep, deep down, that's you know, it was ingrained in me that it's like, yeah, that's what you do. And if I really had a compelling reason, I could probably have overcome that innate conditioning, but I never really have. And you know, I've always just kind of been like, yeah, this is, this is what I want, you know, for, you know, I, you know, I, I feel comfortable saying that, yeah, I'm going to be with you for the rest of my life. That's, you know, you're the one I want to be with. That's, you know, but I could I could have done that outside of marriage too. Um, there are there. Let's see. Practically speaking, you know, we want to have kids, and society societal wise, it's easier on the kids if the parents are married. So you know, we want to do that to make it easier on the kids. 
we also wanted to do it because it's really, really mind-blowingly convenient for taxes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I am saving some. I mean, it's, it's not like. I guess it's not amazing, but it's it's nice. You know, I'm saving some change by being married, <laughs> so that's nice. Um, yeah, really, like, I always wanted, like, a fairy tale romance. You know, fall in love and, like, the birds and stuff. And, you know, you, you get sorry, married and things. Where, where are the birds involved? <laughs> they're, like, birds chittering and stuff like that nearby you know like like a disney movie basically they're not like in your cereal bowl or anything no they're twittering nearby yeah they're just around Mm -hmm. and you know buy you know buy a house and get married and stuff and like you know that's always what i wanted and you know i honestly i think i just got married because i wanted to get married i just wanted to do that Mm -hmm. thing i wanted to have a party and to say that i'd done it and i did it was a lot of fun i mean it was it was also important you know it was important to our families too but i like to think that we would have taken that into consideration but really done whatever yeah you know gone whatever way we wanted to go based on our own desires Mm -hmm. that's why we got married has there been anything? This question is not on my list, but because I was thinking about the marriage thing and how like it used to be specifically something, you know, specifically something I wanted and planned for. And I kind of had like some things built into it, uh, ironically, because I do not want kids. And I thought this is the safest way to secure like, you know, a long term, um, basically a a buddy system because I need a buddy system <laughs> to help me get out of the house and do things. Because mm. uh, <laughs> if I say if I'm like by myself and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm thinking about going to do this thing. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, I will not go out and do the thing. Um, I need a buddy system, but mm. like, has there been? And that has kind of, I mean, the buddy system is still like pretty true. But, like, the marriage thing specifically is not. And so has there been anything in your life that has undergone that kind of change that you would not have expected it? Um, um, like, has there been something that I wanted that's changed? Yeah, something um, you used to want or used to not want that you now do want or don't want or, you know, kind of went the other way or... Um, I used to not want my mom around that much. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I love my mom. I've always loved my mom, but we used to, you know, in, in college and post-college years, we used to really get on each other's nerves pretty severely. And, um, looking back on it now, I can see that, the underlying reasons were that we were both sad that we like, we would see each other for like a week, a year, if that. And that was, we were both kind of sad about that. So anytime we were together, like we felt pressured to like, you know, get as much quality time in as possible. And like everything had to be face to face and like, you know, super intense for whatever time we had. But over the last few years, especially since we moved back to the East Coast, it's been a lot more chill. Like, you know, my mom can come visit whenever she wants. And, you know, it's 
it's a lot more relaxed and a lot more chill and, and it's nice. So, you know, I, now I'm, you know, I'm totally okay with my mom being nearby. Okay. So, so nothing like structural about what you want for your life, just your mom <laughs> being nearby, which is, is still important to your life. I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't mean see. to be dismissive. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's okay. Um, I always assumed that my job would be something that I had to do. It never occurred to me that I would actually derive joy from my job. Like, I never thought I would find something that I would really enjoy doing, but I have. Like, I really enjoy doing what I'm doing and being the controller and, like, you know, being an accountant. I like it. I like, you know, looking at all the numbers and reconciling things and putting things together and advising people and stuff. And, you know, I really, I really like what I'm doing. And I feel like that's, you know, that's a, a much bigger part of my life than it was before. Like, you know, before so much of my life was video games because, <laughs> you know, the world was a cold, dark place <laughs> yeah. and video games are whatever you want them to be. So, you know, now I, I still play video games, but a lot less intensely because they're not so much escapist as more just like, you know, fun things that I can do if I want to, hmm. which is much healthier. Boop. Okay. What's a good final question for you? Um, it's the final question. God damn it. I hate that song. And it's just... <laughs> Everyone always does it. All right. What has come into your life that's made you feel more empowered to change or to more fully inhabit yourself? You know, you might laugh, but before this podcast, I swore to myself that I wouldn't spend the entire time talking about Allison. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Allison definitely is one of one of that. Um, but I'm I'm going to try to think of something other than Allison that's come into Try. my life. Can Try. Challenge. Uh, Battle. Actually, yeah. My my career, being good at my job, that's been kind of incredible to me. Like, I, I take pride in being good at my job. Like, I, like, I feel pride in my job the same way I felt pride in doing good in high school. And I didn't have that for basically 10 years and now I've got that back and that's really nice and that's really empowering like I feel you know it's like all right well you know I feel like I can like if I can do this maybe I can actually you know perform other tasks semi-competently learning maybe I'm not a total screw-up you know maybe I am a valid actual person to which many of my friends went a duh mm. yeah I mean my career has helped my friend my friends have definitely helped too you know like you guys talking with me and stuff and sticking with me that's that's definitely helped me and gotten me through a lot of rough patches so that's been nice is there anything you want to end on a note you want to end on or anything you want to recommend to uh, the potential audience i think when i was a kid i was really happy and then when I got to be a young adult, I felt that being happy 
was the same thing as childish. And then as I grew older, I figured that equating being happy with being childish was itself just being childish. So just feel what you feel, man. Just be who you are. And, you know, it is, it is what it is. Just, you know, deal with it one step at a time. And, you know, maybe you can't deal with it all right at first. That's okay. Just, you know, take one step and then another and then another. And by the time you look back, it's like, Hey, I'm Maybe in the middle I... of the ocean. What am I doing yeah. here? Why yeah, do I what? decide to keep walking when I hit water? I don't know. <laughs> Why am I walking on water? Am I, in fact, Jesus? What mm-hmm. What is happening? This is news to me. Yeah. And, you know, despite what society or your voice or the voices or whatever things may tell you, hold out for the ice cream. Don't just go <laughs> for the scoops of shit. Don't, oh, don't do it. Hold don't out. ask just every scoop of shit. Yeah. Just on the off chance that something is actually ice cream. <laughs> yeah. O- only ask the ice creams. Only ask the ice cream that you want. Oh like, God. don't be afraid to try new flavors, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure where the metaphor is going anymore. Ab- abandoned metaphor. <laughs> Please. <Abandoned. laughs> Thank we, you. We, we seem to have come to a rocky road. <laughs> I think it's time <laughs> to banana split. Um, All right. Well, let's let's right. put a cherry on this and call it good. Call it something. Um, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Master Berkowitz. And thank you, Mistress. Uh, not sure what you're calling yourself in this podcast. The Queen of Darkness. Mistress Queen of Darkness and various mm. things. Aw. Yeah. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Teresa Screams at Stephen. Transitioning into our quick little show business segment, you can follow the Worst Person in the Room podcast at Worst Person Pod, both on Twitter and Facebook, where honestly it's not currently that active. But maybe, maybe if you liked us or followed us, maybe. We'd be better. Maybe we'd be more inspired. Maybe our hearts would feel warmer and more expansive. And our capacity for greatness would uh, be greater. (laughs) You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And, you know, if you like this podcast... Uh, you can leave a review. Maybe. Maybe you could do that. And if you don't like this podcast, well, have some freaking mercy on me. I am on vacation. I am a grown human person drinking Pedialyte on their vacation. So (laughs) be kind. Rewind. Don't break my delicate, delicate heart feelings. Um, I love you. (laughs) What's the angriest I can say? I love you. I'm your host, Teresa Francesca, and today, that goddamn crab-eaten seagull is the worst person in the room. (laughs) 